Hey everybody, welcome to the greatest movie never made podcast, a sort of a, a spin-off podcast of the good, the bad, and the nerdy movie podcast. I'm your host, Tom. I'm doing this as kind of a primary episode for our next episode in our 1994 series, and that would be, uh, in our 1994 series, we're going to be covering Ed Wood later on, but what we're going to be talking about in this one is the other Tim Burton movies he almost made in 1994. Now, previously on our show, we've covered uh, Tim Burton's Batman Continues, the uh, sequel that was going to be to Batman Returns that didn't happen. And, of course, that was the one where we had... It would have included... Uh, Tom, uh, sorry, instead of Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, it would have been Billy D. Williams and Marlon Wayans as uh, Robin. Also, uh, Robin Williams apparently was going to be the Riddler. But uh, as stories have gone, it's been all over the place. But what we're talking today is about two other films that Tim Burton almost made, but instead decided not to and made Ed Wood instead. So the first one we're going to talk about, just, and these are going to be brief because these both these films did get made, as opposed to the ones that didn't get made. So uh, was Cabin Boy. Now Cabin Boy actually did, of course, was released. Now if you've ever heard of the film, I'm gonna not, we're not going to cover it, details in this one because eventually I'm going to do it as a separate episode. I'm not including our 1994 series. It's just one that kind of its own wackiness that needs to be discussed on a very special episode. But with Cabin Boy, uh, it was the. Uh, rare film that David Letterman was directly involved in. It was starred uh, Chris Elliott who was one of his regulars on there. And Elliott had already had a bit of a cult following from his show uh, Get Alive. So uh, Burton and uh, the writer one of the head writers developed this film for Elliott. It was, it, if you've ever seen it, it's, it's a very surreal comedy fantasy. And for about a year and a half since the Batman movie was not appearing, happening, he started developing this film similar as he'd made such weird movies as Beetlejuice and Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Edward Scissorhands. He likes doing these kind of surreal comedies. So, uh, this film uh, got very deep into development with Burton before he... uh, There were a couple of different stories. One was he got interested in Ed Wood specifically while he was developing this. Decided he wanted to do Ed Wood first. Another was there were some discussions that the budget was getting a little too high for this kind of... bizarre concept film so uh i've heard a couple of theories one is that he and you know the uh, writer who later directed the film has given different takes on it but you know he wound up ha- taking over the film to direct it after burton walked away whether or not it was a dispute as to you know what was going on who all was going to be in it. it was always supposed to be the chris elliott vehicle so it wasn't definitely about that i've heard different arguments about who was going to make uh other appearances now if you've seen the cast it's definitely a very tim burton-esque kind of cast so uh andy richter's in it which is slightly unusual at the time because richter was on conan o'brien and you know letterman was producing this but letterman always favored conan anyway uh and uh some odd ones like for course um bob elliott's in it playing chris's dad not you know kind of continuing their recurring bit of him playing you know the real dad playing the real father the real son in some in whatever weird world they were and we've got some other unusual castings like you know uh, brian james and it uh james gammon so it's a very you know wacky group i've heard he wanted some other regulars such as i think jeffrey jones was apparently going to be in it i've heard that uh michael gambon was interested you know was going to be one of the characters it's definitely a um crazier uh it could have been a crazier film my understanding was mostly the issues where he wanted more stop motion effects more uh you know uh henry selnick involvement in it and there is some you know stuff like that in there um i you know 
I think in this particular case, you know, the film's as weird as it is. I don't know if he could have added more to it. But at the same time, he might have actually enhanced it, you know. Him himself, you know, being very into strange, you know, you know, and many of have talked about the Tim Burton style has a very animated approach to it. I think Cabin Boy would have worked having that extra kind of experience in dealing with uh, practical and bizarre visual effects. Then this film definitely has, you know, it in there, but it there appears to be some pacing issues that's always you know, plagued this film. How surreal is it? How straight comedy is it? It's kind of this weird hybrid where you got some grounded comedy and some serious, uh, bizarre Psycholo- you know, psychedelic gags in there. So uh, I think if Burton had been directing it, I think it would have been a tighter, probably even richer comedy. Once again, I'm not. You know, it's still one movie that's worth talking about, worth watching. If you, if you ever find Cowboy, watch it. We will be covering it eventually later on down the line for this series uh, on this podcast. But uh, now the other one we're going to jump to is Mary Riley. Now Mary Riley is another film, of course, did get made. If you've heard of it, it's a uh, take on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as seen from Mary Riley, the, um, I guess the best way to describe it is like the chambermaid for Dr. Jekyll. So, uh, there wasn't, the novel it was pretty acclaimed when it came out. You know, it's just an alternate take of, of the, uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde story from her perspective. And, you know, in the original story, she was kind of like the, uh, enamored by not Dr. Jekyll, but by Mr. Hyde. So as the story goes, uh, we see her uh, as she kind of deals with the duality because she sees there are two different people and she, she's more interested in Hyde than she is Jekyll. So, uh, uh, it's a interesting film. It's unfortunately kind of dull. It did not do well at the box office. Uh, you know, it stars Julie Roberts. She was attached to the film. He was developing it with her. Uh, this was a period of time when Julie Roberts was trying to be more of a... Um, taking more serious as an actress for doing heavier stuff. Her accent gets a little um, mocked sometimes. It's not that she does a bad British accent, but it's you know, Victorian England, so ish, you know, could she pull off that kind of, you know, grow, that kind of harder cockney... It's you know, it's definitely a case of maybe not the right decision. Now, when it comes to casting of uh, Jekyll and Hyde, that's where I've heard where Burton kind of put the stop on. Now, he had other people interested. Now, they got John Malkovich, and John Malkovich is a great actor. So it, they didn't pick a bad choice for the part. The problem is I think who he wanted were far more interesting but may have been more complicated to do in you know 1994 dollars. So... I, obviously, Tim Burton, you know, likes using Johnny Depp, so Johnny Depp was apparently one of the people discussed with it. And, of course, they, as they make it, and said they do Ed Wood. The other one that I've heard, which I think would be even far more interesting, was he wanted Daniel Day-Lewis. Now, Lewis had made, around the time of The Age of Innocence, he, was more, he wasn't the recluse actor that he's more well-known for, but he had been working a lot during this time. So whether or not he was available was interested would have been very interesting. You know, He tends to do serious, you know, deeper films, but I think the idea of Daniel Day-Lewis as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde would have been Fascinating, and I think if he cast him, it would have been really interesting. I've heard another rumor that he briefly considered offering to Michael Keaton as well. Him and Keaton were still on very good terms, so that could have been another interesting option. I think that could have been a, another unique take. I think Julie Roberts and Michael Keaton had an interesting chemistry. I definitely think Daniel Day Lewis working off of Julie Roberts has been very, very strong. I don't, you know, you know, people at, around this time period didn't really take Julie Roberts as a serious actress. You know, she would go on to win an Oscar for Aaron Brockovich, but I, what was interesting, you know, a couple years after making this film, she realizes that 
she doesn't need to do like heavy prestige films. She's better at like you know modern day times, and I think that's where she realized where her strengths were. And since that time, she's pretty much tried to stay in the in, in what's essentially her lane. Um, but if this film had been uh, worked, I I'd also heard you know there were some budget issues. He wanted to be far more like heavier, darker, expensive Victorian, you know, or uh, maybe even pre-Victorian you know uh, setting. Now of course he would go on to make Sweeney Todd, which is another of these kind of era horror films, you know, obviously based on the musical. So he you, we knew Burton wanted to work in this time period. You know, he hadn't. And he wouldn't until then, you know. He did, and of course later on he would do, you know, Alice in Wonderland as well. So he likes to work in the idea of like these classical novel you know, horror uh, stories. But anyway, um, so uh, both these films basically were almost Tim Burton films. They, uh, when he left out, he took his team, and you know, obviously certain things did not happen that would have happened. I, like many, suspect that if he had stuck on these films, they would have been interesting. But, uh, ironically, they may not have been successes either. We don't really know. Now, Burton was kind of in a weird period post-Batman Returns. Ed Wood would be followed up with Mars Attacks. And then it wouldn't be until he made um, Sleepy Hollow that uh, well, some would say his career was kind of back on track. Of course, then he would follow that up with Planet of the Apes, which is another bizarre choice. But, uh, yeah, yeah, once again, we're talking, you know, 1993, you know, four, he was pretty, had a lot of power in Hollywood. You know, he'd made Batman Returns, he'd made Batman, he made Edward Scissorhands, and he produced The Nightmare for Christmas. So he had a very, he had a lot of power in Hollywood. Skipping on both these films were definitely interesting decisions. I don't know how they would have worked regardless. So, and yeah, as we we've been talking, as we go further in our ni- in the uh, main podcast, nineteen ninety four series, we'll see like where movies were, Hollywood was, and where the audience was tastes were. But anyway, I wanted to cover this for the uh, podcast. I uh, if you are a fan of both these movies, uh, hit us up on our Facebook uh, group uh, or also on our Twitter account. And uh, tell us what your your takes on would you like Tim Burton to make these films? And of course, uh, keep uh, keep watch. We'll be having the uh, next podcast on uh, Ed Wood, uh, very very arriving very shortly. Uh, anyway, this has been uh, the greatest movie never made. We're covering this is a double one where uh, the two Tim Burton films of 1994 that didn't get made, Cabin Boy and Mary Riley, both did get made. So you have those options to go check out. Uh, my name's Tom. See y'all next time.